Hello and welcome to Ride the Omnibus. I'm your host, Ariel Basca, and today I'm speaking with director Pete O's about his dystopian version of life where work is outlawed. The Slam Dance premiere of Love and Work. All right, I'm so delighted to talk to you about your new Slam Dance premiere of Love and Work, which is an absolutely phenomenal black and white film about a kind of strange alternate universe that I I kind of happen to love. How do you describe this film to people? I mean, I usually call it a dystopian comedy, um, but I also think what's fun about it is for some people, this is a utopian comedy. <laughs> um, and it's a it's a movie uh, about a world where it's illegal to have a job. It leads to places you would never imagine. It's such a powerful thing, specifically because of the fact that you touch on so many different aspects of the work world and how it impacts us. It almost felt like some sort of joyful rendering of the opposite of severance. Having (laughs) enjoyed severance so much as a series. So, right. But I want to know what was the inspiration for this film? Where did it come from in your head? Yeah. I mean, the, the very much the seed of it was the room where the shoe factory is, was just kind of seeing that beautiful space and starting to imagine what might take place there and and that's where like this idea for a factory um and then i was having a conversation with stephanie hunt the lead actor of the movie also one of the writers um who i've worked with before and i was telling her about this room and this vision of a of a, of a shoe factory that felt like it took place in the 20s or something where it's people making boots for the army or something and then within that conversation, we both sort of acknowledge the fact that we don't really want to make like a pro manufacturing movie um, <laughs> because like there's too much stuff in the world. The ocean is full of plastic. You know, we don't want to promote manufacturing, but at the same time, we are creators. So we do like making things. Um, and Stephanie, I think, said, you know, what is a factory that doesn't make anything? And that idea, that like conversation just was really fun to have and very much it's like it's connected to what I am and we are all experiencing where it's we're alive and we're living and, and we are wondering what is the purpose of our life. <laughs> and sometimes it seems like the purpose is to work, but then also having a job can be the worst thing <laughs> if the job <laughs> sucks. And and we, we just get caught in this this troubling place where we're it's not clear what to do about it. Um, meanwhile, you know, of course, we have AI taking our jobs, but shouldn't they be taking jobs that we don't want? <laughs> and so it's like, <laughs> are jobs good or bad? And there are jobs we want and jobs we don't want. And just all those conversations just kept happening and kept ha- being fun to have. And that's what evolved into the movie. Oh, well, that's an incredible place for it to start. I mean, especially because I feel like The film has so many multiple levels of commentary on how we feel about work, what the atmosphere at work happens to be, and how we think about what it is to be a boss, what it is to be an employee. (laughs) I, I find those conversations so fascinating throughout the film. And I, I just have to ask this question. What was your favorite job that you ever had? I, my favorite job was in a cookie factory. 
It was the summer between my freshman and sophomore years of college. And I came back home from college and I was sitting on the couch watching TV. And my mom was like, you're not just sitting on that couch all summer. You have to go get a job. And the easiest job to get in Northwest Ohio, where I was living, was in this Nabisco factory where my brother had also once worked. And I went and worked that job on an assembly line. <laughs> and I love talking about it. And, and it was so fun to experience for, a, a, for you know two months. At the same time, I felt like if this was the rest of my life, it would probably be terrible. I don't know if that's true, but that's like where I found myself, where I have so many fond memories, but it's also paired with this belief that this is also torture for some people or like terrible for some people and not knowing which it was like loving, thinking about that job. And, and, and also in, in the moment, I think I hated it, <laughs> but now when I look back at it, it brings me so many uh, good memories. So I'm not entirely sure. Well, I think that ambiguity certainly came through in this film uh-huh. and you get into the concept of what it is to work for the weekend as well toward the end. And I, I just also want to ask what in your mind is the working for the weekend thing? Now, I'm happy to answer that, but I do wonder if that's a spoiler. It is a spoiler, and I'm going to mark <laughs> that as a spoiler just so okay. you know, so people can skip over this. Great. Okay, but- perfect. Um, now the, what is the weekend in the movie or what is the weekend to me? Either, both. Yeah. I, I really kind of want to know both answers. Sure. I mean, I, I myself am definitely a workaholic. Um, I try to be a really healthy person in so many different aspects of my life, but where it, I recognize it does become unhealthy is, is working. It's a thing I do when I'm happy. It's a thing I do when I'm sad. It's a thing I will do too much of. And I will often work through weekends. And I have all these justifications for it, whether it's because I, you know, it's like so easy to say like, well, you know, you're doing something good, like you're being productive, all this stuff. And, but then as the next week starts and I'm feeling kind of depressed (laughs) and I'm like, kind of like, what's wrong? What happened? And then it's not until I get into the second, you know, the post weekend where there wasn't a weekend that I start to realize like, oh, you didn't take a break. Like that's not healthy to just keep going, keep going, keep going. And so I almost made this movie and included this and well, this this joke within the movie about the weekend is also something I like need to remind myself about (laughs) that, like, it's really important to have balance, um, which ultimately is what it is in the movie, too. Um, It is the symbol of of balance, Um, you know, and again, like. I'm aware of these things and I'm, and I'm and I'm aware of how making art comments on the world that we're living in now. Um, but when you're making it, you're not super connecting it. You're just kind of like following <laughs> intuition. Um, yeah. But I definitely recognize, as we all do, I'm not stating anything new, but we got some polarized things going on in our world. Um, we are all in the very active conversation or even battle about things being binary or things not being binary, that this is a conversation that is healthy that we are having. It's not clear and we're figuring out how to talk about it, but it applies to so many different aspects of life. And to me, the weekend is this beautiful beacon of <laughs> of recognition that it's not all or nothing. It, it, it needs to be somewhere in the middle. It, it If we are always working, it's bad. If we are always not working, it's bad. You need to have weekdays and you need to have weekends. You need to have both if it's really going to be good, if it's really going to be sustainable, if it's really going to be healthy. 
I love that. And I love that you specifically propose that as an alternative to the binary thinking of drought, flood, drought, flood. (laughs) And I, and I love the way that you do that. And I, I will also say I recently came out as a gender variable person. I don't really identify as non-binary. I'm sort of agender because so much of our world is made up of binary thinking. And there is this limitless possibility of things that could exist and how we could be in this world. Why right. does everyone want to confine themselves to <laughs> two, know, options. two options? <laughs> I know it's way less interesting. It's I, and then the reason we're doing it is because of efficiency. It's because like machines are binary because they are zeros and ones, and they are sort of leading the charge because we've given them too much power, <laughs> and we forget <laughs> that we're humans and we don't have to function that way, and that we actually created them. But now we're following them. I think. Yeah. And that's, I don't think that's, I don't think that's really what we want. I don't think that's why we made machines in the first place. We made them so that we could enjoy being humans. They're getting more power. They are (laughs) getting more more power. They are the ultimate influencer. (laughs) They are. And the algorithm is everything, obviously, Mm -hmm. as we see. And it's invisible and we don't even realize it. and, And it affects so many things. And it does help, but it also hurts. Yeah. So how are you thinking about the algorithm yourself as you're trying to promote a movie and trying to do all of these things with your anti-algorithm sort of content? And Yeah. I try to be very human. I try to be very present. And I try to be very honest. I try to not think about it. <laughs> I try to give myself a weekend on uh, that stuff. Chasing the algorithms. I'm not interested. I'm interested in connecting with other people genuinely. And I think the many ways in which we feel like we're connecting and we think we're connecting often is filtered in lots of different ways. One of which just being by these, all these algorithms who are just shifting how we are, what we're saying and thinking and doing in ways that I don't even know. And so I just seek opportunities to be outside of that which I think just means being present and being real. <laughs> being present, being real, being alive. All yes. Things, so. Yes. Sure. I, do I want people to watch this movie? Yes. If they want to, I don't want to waste their time. Hopefully we can just share with them what it's, uh, what it's about. So if, if they might be interested, if they're the c- kind of person who might like a movie like this, then they are able to find it, but it's not going to be for everyone. And nor do I really want everyone to see it either. Um, I really want everyone to see the things that they're going to (laughs) like. And I don't like everything. I don't. So I don't expect everyone to like this either. You know, that's a very healthy attitude and not one many filmmakers hold. Most filmmakers Uh say, oh, I want everybody to see my movie. I want everybody to love my movie. But ultimately, we know about audiences that that's not the way you build your audience. Mm -hmm. You build your audience by knowing one small group of people that will at their heart absolutely adore your movie right it's designed for and then maybe it'll touch some other people but the other thing too that you really want is that you want somebody you know i put myself into this so somebody sees it and they connect with it that'll make me feel good but then also i want them what i would really want is that they're not alone in their enjoyment of the movie that they're able to find someone else to talk to about it <laughs> that they're so they know that they're not alone either that then they can connect with someone else about the thing that they liked 
Um, That's interesting because another friend of mine once said that he only makes movies to prove that he's not alone in the world. And then that's his only way of really proving to himself he's not alone is Mm. to make a movie about his experience and then have that connect with other people potentially. Mm -hmm. And it's really scary to be, to do that, to risk the chance of it proving that you are alone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I think that's a very brave thing to do. No, I think so too. And that, I think that's a really wonderful way to think about the creation process and what it means and what it means ultimately in the case of your film, like what the creation process means for these characters who are interested in being productive. One of the things that that whole idea of productivity Mm -hmm. seems to have a very environmental angle in your film as well, because it's this idea that the world doesn't need more stuff, Mm -hmm. right? So stop it. Just cut it out. How do you reconcile the need for creation and the need for more stuff in your mind? I'm, I'm Because that wasn't something that you articulated necessarily specifically within the script world. I'm very curious about how it lands with you now versus when you made the film. I think, of, I think about that concept even when making a movie that I I think, does the world really need another movie? And in a lot of ways, they don't. We have more than enough really wonderful masterpieces. (laughs) Um, But I think living in the present, creating in the present is a way to be alive, to remind ourselves that we are alive, to acknowledge that I'm on earth at the same time as other people also on earth (laughs) at this time. And that's like maybe the most meaningful thing we have in life is that we are alive at this time. And so to not create is bad. And that's the, that's the chance. I get it. That's we, we need to, as I think as humans, we kind of need to create. And so the challenge is to find responsible ways to do that. I don't think, manufacturing a billion pairs of pants (laughs) cheaply made, you know, is really creativity or creation. And so I think starting these conversations, having this conversation that even we're having um, and starting these conversations to clarify what creating do we want? What creating do we not want? And which is sort of like what this movie is about is this idea that it's not all or nothing. We're not saying I'm not saying nor you know that no shoes should ever get made again because some beautiful shoes could get made saying why we're making them who's making them who are they making them for maybe the fact that we have so much stuff could allow us to stop slow down and create with purpose human purpose instead of machine capitalism yeah. <laughs> money money bottom line purpose I I want people who want to make things to make things. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I think that's such a really wonderful yeah. way of putting it. And and I also, and even with that, when I make movies, I would actually be okay if nobody saw it. It's not actually a product for me, to, or it's like to me. Mostly I'm doing it for the joy of creating. And I'm grateful that like, it doesn't necessarily create a lot of waste either because it's just like, it's just one movie. It's not that like 
it occupies a ton of space or, or, or anything. Um, so I'm glad that the medium is kind of like healthy in that way. But really, it's it's about the process of it. It's about the connections that happen through the making of it, um, both internally and externally. Um, and so that's why like, I encourage other people to make movies because it's a really beautiful activity to do with yourself and with others um, to explore what life is and to share in, in intimate ways with your collaborators um, to create something together. Uh, everyone doesn't need to see the movie. Maybe don't even release it. That's what's kind of beautiful about technology advancing filmmaking such that it's not cost prohibitive anymore. You can do this as a hobby. You can do this for the fun of it because it can be that cheap. And that's what's cool. It's not be that movies should even be in movie theaters for the enjoyment of making them. Um, make them and just show them to your family and make them really, really good, you know? Um, because it's, it is a really cool way to kind of like explore ideas and to learn about anything, hear other people's ideas, get, you know, to find compromise with, with collaborators, with other people. There's so many good things that comes from the activity of it, um, yeah. let alone that maybe you made something entertaining enough for somebody to be happy to watch. Oh my gosh. You're reminding me so much of another film that I reviewed at Fright Fest and Fantastic Fest last year called Life on the Farm. Mm. I don't know if you've heard anything about this, but it's a documentary about a farmer who basically just shot and edited these amazing VHS tapes about life on the farm. Mm -hmm. And it it's very specifically just this old cantankerous farmer introducing things as if he's on a some kind of a talk show or something and like showing dead cows and just all kinds of aspects of life on the farm as macabre and morbid as it sometimes is, but not with the purpose of showing it to anybody just for himself mm -hmm. for the purpose of the creative joy. And then these VHSs were discovered by a found footage archive and have gone all over the world now. But it's interesting how that joy of creation is so essential to the process of feeling alive and that it's something we don't necessarily always think of when we think of filmmaking. Mm -hmm. What a huge difference it makes in your own life to make the work as opposed to thinking about an audience. Mm -hmm. I think historically it's been so expensive of an activity that it had to be connected to product, connected to um, a thing that needs to make money to justify how much just got spent. <laughs> but that is a thing that's shifting because, because of technology. So what are your goals for this movie then? It, I mean, it's already succeeded just by existing for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think my goal, my, my, my mission for the movie is for the people who are going to like it to see it. And if I could get into how, like how, you know, there's a thing, there's a concept in filmmaking called the shooting ratio where like, how many minutes of what you shoot ends up in the movie <laughs> yeah. and how much it just ends up on the cutting room floor, as they say. And, and like, what like viewing ratio could you reach? Um, like, it would be so cool to not waste anyone's time. <laughs> like all, all the people who aren't going to like it, like, how can I let them know? No, don't don't even watch it. You know, that's like hopefully what trailers and stuff can do, which is not, a false represent the movie, but to accurately represent the movie so that if you're not going to like it, 
if you like the trailer, you will like the movie. If you don't like the trailer, you won't like the movie. And so just, but my goal would be for people, the people who are going to like it to know about it and then have a way to watch it. And then, and then I guess to be able to talk to anyone who also saw it about it. So <laughs> potentially are, me. <laughs> are you creating like communities in any way as part of your impact I, I, campaign or something? I don't, no. I don't know. Like, I know, I know. It's it's such a weird thing to try to create community around film in this day and age mm. where everybody's watching in isolation on their phone or... I guess I, I should just make like a subreddit for the movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, because it really fostering and and, you know, facilitating a community takes a lot of time, a lot of love and work. It really <laughs> and, does. Um, that's a job. That's another job for somebody. And I'm not sure. I don't know if I'm going to have the time and energy for it. Or if you even want to do that, if you want to focus on yeah. the joy of creation on another work. I know. I think I, I in my even in, in, in my youth, I was on some mailing lists for some of my favorite bands. And they were these beautiful little communities where people are sharing music and talking about the shows they're going to go to and and I don't think the band even knew it existed, you know? <laughs> nor did they need to. But um, it was a beautiful thing that probably happened organically. As far as like an impact campaign, that feels so capitalistic that I don't ever want to say those words again. <laughs> but uh, if, 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 it, if a community organically formed, that would be beautiful. And I would totally join and uh, engage with it responsibly. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh, sure, sure. I would, I, yeah, be, I know. I'd be you lurking. wouldn't be that awkward boss at <laughs> I'd all. I'd be trolling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's such a beautiful thing. I think these are really wonderful, larger philosophical conversations to have. Because I think your film is so large and philosophical in some ways. Of course, this interview would be too, right? Mm. So I really love the film. And I wish you all the success that you want <laughs> and I wish that all the people you want to see it get to see it. And thank you so much. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate this interview. And I uh, look forward to talking again further. Thank you so much for watching. I'm really glad you enjoy it. And I had a really nice time talking with you. Thank you. You too. Thank you for listening. And thank you for taking a moment right now to reflect with me on the history of the land you are listening on now. Whether you are stuck in traffic or sitting in your office chair, take the time to look up whose traditional lands you are on now and what treaties govern those territories. I record this podcast on the site of land stolen from the Manahoac people. I am grateful to work on this land and I acknowledge that we need to protect and honor the history of the indigenous people from other tribal nations that have made innumerable contributions around the world. I share this in the hope that my listeners may join me in honoring our past, present, and future. Without this land, this earth, and each other, we are nothing. Before I go, please take 30 seconds now to leave us a five-star review by clicking on support the show in the show notes. We don't want your money. We want your words. A simple RTO rocks my socks expands our reach and helps us keep bringing you great content and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter, where we are at Omnibus Ride. 
You can also visit our website, omnibusride.com, where you can go to dive deeper into our content and learn more about the show. A special thank you to our amazing editor, William Das. We truly couldn't do what we do without him or Danielle. Be well, be safe, and keep in touch. Thank you.